nasal breathing is linked to diaphragmatic breathing and diaphragmatic breathing is linked to all the good stuff you talked about slowing of the heart rate blood pressure that rest and digest response mouth breathing is linked to the opposite if we link it back to me being assaulted, I was searching to understand my nervous system. And this is why I'm so passionate about breathwork now, because as you just said, it's the quickest, easiest way to tap in to your nervous system. We've become too comfortable. It's only the last hundred years that hot water has been readily available. Before that, humans used to wash in cold water. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, the podcast about all things human performance. Dino Gladson is a qualified personal trainer, the founder of Power of the Breath, Bondi Lifeguard, Oxygen Advantage Master Instructor. He's a breathwork facilitator, certified ice bath instructor, yoga teacher. Get yourselves a cup of tea, ladies and gentlemen. This goes for a while. He's a holistic health coach, a public speaker, and a performance coach. Having resuscitated over 30 people, Dino literally knows what it's like to save someone's life. He also knows what it feels like to need to save yourself. In 2004, Dino was king hit at the Sydney Footy Stadium, watching the Sydney Roosters play. The punt knocked him unconscious and it took Dino weeks to leave the house and numerous trips to the dentist. He struggled mentally and was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress and anxiety. He developed multiple allergies, problems with breathing, dermatitis and eczema. Rather than taking this lying down, Dino became obsessed with getting his health back. And I'm very grateful he did, as Dino is the guy I call on when I want to introduce breathwork and cold water therapy to organisations like CBA and the Australian Navy and professional sporting teams I work with, including the Parramatta Eels and the Manly Sea Eagles. Dino, welcome to the podcast. Mate, what a pleasure. What an introduction. Well, it's a good intro. It's your intro. And I'd known you for about six or seven months and a shout out to Meron Aldrich, the physiotherapist who introduced us. And I just thought you were this guy that had all your shit together and breath work and cold water therapy. And then we we're doing a big event for PwC, the outside where we had 700 people in a tent. And I actually said to you, I think I was about 15 minutes before going on stage to do the opening keynote. And I said, mate, I actually don't know much about your story beyond what you've done. And you went, oh, I got king hit. I'm like, whoa, this needs a lunch or a breakfast. And, and we did, we caught up and it's an inspiring story, but let's start with that. So a rough frame today, Dino, I'd like everyone to know about your background and what got you into this. Two, I want to double click on the science of breath work. Three, we'll talk about Wim Hof and your experience with Wim. That'll lead us really nicely into cold water therapy or CWT. And then number five, combining breath work and cold water therapy, bringing it all together. But let's go back in the beginning. Talk to us. In how, the beginning. How did this all evolve or where, where, where do you want to start? Well, it's, yeah, it's a long drawn out story. I like to believe it maybe started when I was a nine-year-old and I ended up in hospital with asthma. And I was a dysfunctional breathing breather as a child. You know, I, I had learning difficulties. Um, there's a whole range of reasons we could potentially say that contribute to it. I wasn't breastfed as a kid. You know, as I, you know, I've learned a, a lot of things go go into this. From there, I, I ended up swimming training pretty regularly after that, and I believed I needed to swim to regulate my breath. Now, as I mentioned, I struggled at school probably couldn't spell university when I, when I left high school. And, um, you know, I had, had no no passion really to, to learn at this stage. So, um, yeah, I, I ended up becoming a lifeguard 
Um, swimming was one of the few things I was good at, and uh, I wanted to help people. Can I just interject, because you're a humble guy. You're very humble. We, we, we know a lot of similar people. We've got mutual friends in the world of swimming, clubbies, lifesavers, iron men, iron women. I've heard multiple times, Dino Gladson, oh, fuck, he's awesome. He is arguably Australia's best ocean swimmer. So talk to me about that a little bit more. You skim over that one. Yeah, so swimming was my my sport as a child and growing up. And I loved competing for the surf clubs. Competing with surf clubs, it was really social. And, you know, we used to have teams races. And the Taplin race involved two swimmers, two board paddlers and two ski paddlers. Now, whilst the Ironman is the premier individual event. The Taplin was the premier teams event. And all the clubs used to get behind and, and really want to win the win the Taplin event. So I was involved in that, in some great Taplin teams with Maruba Surf Club. Yeah, had some great opportunities to race, you know, race and beat Olympians and some and some great swimmers. And um, you know, really enjoy my time racing in the surf. And racing in the surf's different to the pool because you've got to read the conditions, you've got to speculate you've got to run you've got to dive you've got to swim you've got to learn how to body surf you've got to hold your breath and then you've got to get up and sprint sprint to the finish a little bit of luck can make or break the whole race mm. so you did that as an athlete and interesting with swimming you and i've spoken about this when you teach or when we teach people to breathe now we'll say nose breathe in through the nostrils and out through the mouth but when you're swimming especially when you're hypoxic <laughs> You'll be breathing a lot through your mouth. So did that just cement that pattern for you at a young age? Well, that's what I hypothesize now. You know, whilst the swimming did regulate my breath and really helped with my asthma, I believe it contributed to me mouth breathing at night whilst and, and some other things. And it's only been in the last sort of five to eight years I've really corrected that. And I'm a, a really passionate about getting people to nasally breathe at, at night. Um, in some cases, you know, people can influence their breathing during the day and their mouth, their jaw just drops open at night. Mm. And we'll, we'll dig into that because I have been one of the people who you've influenced on that and I was definitely a mouth breather, also an asthmatic, did track and feel, but when you flog yourself on the track, I think you just breathe. You don't think mm. in through the nose, out through the mouth. I, I definitely was training mouth breathing. Learning difficulties, <sighs> when you look back now, do you think a lot of that was related to your physiology at school because of the swimming and the mouth breathing or was it psychological barriers you put on yourself? Was it both? Yeah, there's a funny story. There was a hot food shop around the corner and as a kid I used to call it hot frog. So as a dyslexic, you see words that are spelt wrong. So, yeah, I used to see hot frog. You know, mum smoked when she was pregnant. Um, I wasn't breastfed. Yeah, you know, mum was a baby. She was like 20. 21 when I was born, you know, dad was a baby too. Like he was 23, working a couple of jobs, trying to raise kids and horribly, like there was no support for my mum to breastfeed. Like, I don't know what was going on in hospitals. Like, yeah, I'm not not a fan of the medical system sometimes and, mm. and doctors, but, you know, keeping it positive. And if we look at the whole COVID thing, Jesus Christ, what's going on in the last couple of years, you know? Yeah, what's interesting, Dino, is I'll have to look at how many. You might have a a rough idea. I reckon we've had four or five people minimum on this podcast who've got dyslexia. And in the mm. traditional, you could just hear whiz go, hmm, in the traditional way of schooling on rote learning, it would have really struggled. And, yeah. and they are, they're doing some research and they have done some research around this just with that more varied learning as well. Like 
look at this. Well, the school system doesn't support it. It doesn't, it doesn't support creative people. They no. don't want people to be creative. They want you to memorize stuff and, and spit it back out. And yeah, little boys learn differently to little girls. Yeah. Like I, I, I taught myself the alphabet after I left school when I was an apprentice plumber because I used to go through the street directory and get lost around STQWV. And I used to, um, yeah. So I never knew the alphabet when I left, left school. Yeah. Wow. How has that helped you though? What's the superpower in that? And I'll just give you the reference in the story. One of my really good mates from Dubbo, we're at Byron Bay in the middle of the, the lockdowns. We have an annual get together every year with my mates from Dubbo. And the restrictions were up. We went to Byron and we're walking along. There's this guy on the side of the street who said, um, tell me the name of a city anywhere in the world and I'll tell you a joke. We went Liechtenstein and he told a really shit joke about Liechtenstein and built some of the artifact about Liechtenstein in there. And we're talking to him. I could just see there was something special about this guy, special as far as his memory recall. And he told the joke. We gave him $20. And I said, look, can you tell me a bit more about your story? He said, I, uh, I'm, I'm on high on the scale of autism. Everyone told me what I can't do. And I said, well, my mate, he's got two children who've been diagnosed uh, on high in the scale of autism, and he just said, "What's their superpower?" And I love that. Yeah. It, like rather than what's wrong, what's their superpower? And mm. I just thought that was a beautiful way of reframing, and it, it really touched my mate. We've spoken about it since. So, with you, what's your superpower? So after the assault, my superpower was my hypersensitivity, because when I had something that my body didn't agree with, I would scratch myself till I bled, or my nose would block up, and I wouldn't be able to breathe. So I, again, coming back to the conversation, learned a whole lot about my, I'll, keep, I'll continue to call it nervous system, but my body. And, um, yeah, that became my superpower. I had to make it my superpower because it was fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had to look at it as a positive thing. And, um, and that superpower was helping me rebuild and I wanted to be bigger and better than, than I was before. And, um, yeah, you know, we cut out gluten and, and carbs and, and sugar and, um, yeah, basically went on a paleo diet before paleo was a was a thing and sort of started to cure my ailments. Just a bit more about you first. So go back to to the, the, the King hit, just the lead yeah. up to that. And I can't imagine what that was like pulling yourself through that. Yeah, it was it was a real shock. Yeah, my you know, if you look close, which this is my fake front tooth and this one's real, and I've got a big plate in there um supporting my teeth. But, yeah, to have your sort of face messed up, I was unable to breathe. The allergies were horrible. If I, if I had sugar or gluten or vegetable oil, I believe somewhere in those three, I would scratch myself till I bled at night. Yeah, it was quite horrible. I was really anxious. I was really paranoid around people drinking alcohol. So you're, watch, you're watching the footy and did you know the person? You don't have to mention names, but you just – did you, you woke up unconscious. What happened? Yeah, I, I was sitting there having a beer um, somewhere in the stands and someone ran across the seats on a, on a sort of 30, 45 degree angle and King hit me while I wasn't looking. I was, um, there's been a quite a severe whiplash and I've rolled down six or seven seats. And when I've woken up, there was someone on top of me. I could taste the blood in my mouth and feel a very strange feeling where I was missing front teeth and my teeth were actually pointed back into my into my mouth oh, that's a big hit big hit so you, 
unconscious or you were conscious at the time? Yeah, I woke back up at this stage. Yeah, I yeah, sort of struggle. The, the memories sort of pop in and out. But, um, yeah, you know, I think, I don't know if my sister, but people were there. They they took me to for medical treatment. Um, yeah, and I ended up in hospital sort of getting my neck scanned because I had, um, you know, I had neck and spinal injuries from the from the assault. And I went through some of the complications in the introduction, but then that, that obviously led to a whole cascade of challenges around that psychological, physical. It then becomes a dance between the two, right, to the point that mm. you weren't even going outside. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I was anxious. I had post-traumatic stress. I, you know, when you when you're missing your front teeth, you you don't want to go outside. You don't want people to see you. It's really quite confronting. Your, your aesthetics, you, you know, your vanity, your your self worth. It, it was um, a real character building process for me. Plus confidence. I can imagine after that, when you're in a crowd, when you're in a pub, when you're in a location they're serving alcohol, did the, did that trigger it as well? Did did you have almost a phobia about going back to social settings? Yeah, absolutely. I, I avoided social settings. I was not interested in being around people, especially people drinking alcohol. If I had to do it, I was like in a position where my back is against the wall and I could see people and I was sort of looking for exits. Yeah, I was, you know, that heightened level of stress was quite severe. So this is obviously the origin of your story getting into breath work and getting into ice water on a whole deeper level. Obviously, that evolved from the athletic performance as well, but it's not your defining story. Have you ever sat back and thought of that? Because I, I knew you for six, seven months and you said, oh, by the way, this is how I started it. And it was a mm. by the way, whereas some people, when that is the story, that evolves everything. So I'm, I'm curious, mm. how did you detach or uncouple from that happening to you to that not being your defining story? And to use that to understand a lot more about breath work and about the body and about physiology and, and ultimately and why you are the go-to guy, you inspire the masses now. So you, you've used that in a real positive way. How did you break that down? It was the worst day of my life, but also the day that I learned the most about myself and a day that I'll never forget. And I've tried to make it a really positive thing in, in my life. And... Yeah, I was able to grow and learn and evolve so much. And on your journey, if you continue to hate and, and have resentment, it's it's not helping you evolve. So yeah, I struggled. I was angry. You know, I, I wanted the person that did this to to suffer, but that was that wasn't helping me at all. So I had to let all that go. How did you do that? Because for a lot of people listening to this, and we're going to get into breath work and ice water or cold water therapy and the combination, but I think there's a real lesson there. And I, I don't think I've told you this. I told one of the players recently, we did a four-week breathing, finishing in a cold water therapy program mm. with the mighty Manly Seagulls, who I've just signed on with. And I told one of the guys, it's one of our big Pacific boys, who he's tough, he's an enforcer, but underneath he's a general giant. We love him. And he said, why should I do this? Like, what's this guy's story? Why is he qualified? I went, oh, well, he's qualified on two levels. He's he's done a lot of the practice and, and the science, but let me tell you about his story, why he got into this. And I told him the story. I won't mention his name because I don't have permission. And he just went, oh, fuck. Okay, I'm going to listen now. And did, did mm. you find that a lot when you tell that story? People go, oh, right. He's had to yeah. go deep. He's had to really work through some trauma and obviously use some of these techniques. It, it shifted this player to, oh, who's this 
clown coming and didn't say that bit. I'm reading between the lines yeah. to, oh, right, okay, I get it. There's a real, there's a real substance to this person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for me, you know, there's a connection to a lot of the things that I do from from lifeguarding to helping myself heal. It's a lot about understanding the nervous system and, and nervous systems of people you're dealing with. And yeah, I had to really learn a lot about my nervous system and learn about letting go and then sort of rebuilding my body from from the ground up. And I wanted to come back bigger and better and stronger. And I certainly feel that I have, you know, the breathing stuff. And I tell people this all the time, I feel smarter. My, my head's clearer. Um, I'm achieving so much more than I ever thought was possible. And, uh, you know, I love to learn. And, and we'll talk about a little bit of science lately. And, and I'm not a science nerd, but, you know, I really love the science. I love reading the science. I guess my expertise is more with experience. I'm teaching, you know, tens of thousands of people breath work and putting more people in an ice bath than almost anyone in Australia. And, and you know, we've shared these stories with football players and we've tried to get them to create neural pathways where they can understand a little bit about stress and try and relax into it. And I've experienced that firsthand. You also teach other athletes. There's a number of individual athletes. I don't know if you have permission to mention those names, but I know the athletes you work with, individual athletes, some of the teams, hedge funds, CEOs. Like you work with some rock star performers, sport, business, entertainment. Yeah, it's it's so exciting. And it's, you know, it's such a simple thing, breathing. And it's become so popular in the last couple of years. But, you know, as, as we started with my, my journey, my, my first breathing training was doing swimming. And I'm a qualified yoga teacher. I, I sort of fell in love with yoga in my mid-20s and we didn't get to this part of the story. But the yoga breathing was regulating, giving me some of the regulation of my breath that I that swimming was, which I thought I needed to swim my whole life to be able to be able to maintain and regulate my breathing. Hmm. Well, when you talk to people, when I mentioned this in a keynote, I was in America last week working with an executive team, a global executive team, and we got to lunchtime and I got asked a question. I just did a, a Q&A before lunch and one of the sceptics, a highly intelligent, very cerebral male in the room, said, do you really breathe, believe in all this breathwork stuff? I went, oh, how long have we got? Because yeah, we've been doing breathwork with yogis for thousands of years. You know, We've been breathing for decades. But a lot of people are surprised when you actually teach them to breathe properly. Now, I also mentioned at the start on Bondi Rescue, and when I introduce you, sometimes people oh, yeah, Dino, I, I know Dino. Well, my mum and dad know Dino because how long have you been on Bondi Rescue now? Yes, yeah, so I've been a lifeguard since 2000. So 22, 23 years. I think Bondi Rescue started um, after the year after I got King Hit, so 2005. Um, I just did some filming the other day for season 17, I think for the opening opening scene which was which was quite quite cool when i when they first found bond i rescue i struggled to put a couple of sentences together but Did you? yeah sort of growing and yeah yeah it was a shock you know well, I never, well, a shock I, that people wanted to talk to you well just you know i was as i said you know i was, was never the sharpest tool i had learning difficulties and then to be, I guess, speaking to a camera was something I never chose to do, that they just came and filmed the show as a documentary in a place where I was already working. It's not like I wanted to be on TV. Yeah. The TV came to me 
where I was I was the team leader, so I was running the beach. So every anytime something would happen, they would come and interview me afterwards. So when you've resuscitated 30 plus people, that's all about breath. And the science tells us the physical health benefits of breath work include better blood pressure, more time in deep sleep, that, that slow wave sleep, reduction of post-traumatic stress and feelings of trauma. So a lot of the experience you had, Dino, stronger respiratory function, less likely to pick up illnesses, better immune system, your immune system bounces back and recovers quicker, and release of stress hormones from your body. So a better regulation of stress. And also that balance you've mentioned before, sympathetic, and that ability to dance between sympathetic and parasympathetic. That's just some of the physical health benefits. The emotional or psychological benefits include fewer feelings of depression, anxiety, and stress. So you can control that inner voice. We often call that the monkey brain. Better focus and clarity, a decrease in addictive behaviors. There's a a lot of research now around mm. addiction and addiction pathways and breathing to try and help not control addiction, but as a trigger to, to stop the pathways or to have people be more present. Emotional enhancement, a better outlook on life. So this whole awareness of where we are, what we've got, and that feeling of gratitude or gratefulness and contentment and joy. So there's loads of benefits, physical and, and psychological. It's why we've titled this The Science of Breathwork. We've been breathing for years, everyone listening to this. There's all those benefits. But talk to me a little bit about breathwork. What, what do you want people to, first of all, understand about the way we breathe or the way we don't breathe? What are the conversations you have when you're teaching someone for the first time? Yeah, well, the word breathwork itself can, can scare people. A, a lot of people talk, will maybe think of Wim Hof. But breathwork may be the way an athlete breathes while they're, while they're training or, or, or how we breathe while we're sleeping or just quite simply taking a couple of deep breaths through the nose. Breath work can be really simple, and then we can get into some of the more complex cities of it. If, we, if we're going to keep it simple, we could talk about sort of fast breathing, slow breathing, and potentially no breathing. And there's some opportunities to hold your breath, and, and we can talk about some of the benefits of that as well. All right, we'll get into some of the takes, but before we do, let's go nose, not mouth, and talk to me about diaphragm, because they're the, the, the two real bedrocks, aren't they? Before we get into the regulation and training, talk to me about nose first mouth, and talk to me about diaphragm. Do you, do you want to do it? Do you want, do we, does everyone want to take a big breath in through the mouth and see how it feels? Let's do it. So I'll get you, Andrew, to take a big breath in through the mouth. You're looking for where the sensation is the in the body and maybe the temperature or the moisture in the air. So when you're ready. And again, without putting words in your mouth, where did you feel it? And, and what the temperature of the air was. And then maybe without vocalizing them let's do the do the opposite take a big breath in through the nose and again temperature body and you can quickly feel it you can quickly notice the, the temperature difference and and the body the innovation of the body now the nose nasal breathing is linked to diaphragmatic breathing and diaphragmatic breathing is linked to all the good stuff you talked about slowing of the heart rate um blood pressure that rest and digest response mouth breathing is linked to the opposite is linked to fight or flight and it's not one mouth breath is going to take us into fight or flight and make us super anxious it's the fact that we're mouth breathing more often than not in the day and it's cumulative over time where this stress builds up it's a chronic stress you know most of us breathe about twenty-five thousand times a day 
And that's why, you know, mouth breathing at night or all night, you wake up and, and people are sluggish or they're not sleeping right because they're stimulating that fight or flight response when the body should be in rest and digest. And a lot of men who do that will get up and pee more when we do the mouth taping. I hear this all the time, especially from middle age or from men 40 plus. God, I'm sleeping better. I'm not getting as thirsty, so I'm not waking up as dry in the mouth, and I'm not getting up to have to pee in the middle of the night. So there's all these physiological changes. So just on the the, the two experiences, so I want the listener to just run that. Now, I'm a bit biased because I've done this with you. I teach this in programs as well, so I can feel the big mm. difference between almost the head rush you get from the mouth breathing to the calmness yeah. and just you feel centered when you're doing the nasal breathing. But also I'll do this side on for the camera so those watching so when we talk about diaphragm breathing the opposite is chest breathing so when a lot of people breathe in Dina they go and they fill yeah. up the upper parts of the chest but if you're doing a diaphragm breath from side on those watching this in the video you breathe in your belly button actually pushes out so your diaphragm drops and those lower parts of the lungs fill up with oxygen and when you breathe out your belly button comes in so you breathe so it's actually reversed to what a lot of people do. I don't know, are there statistics on this? What percentage of people mouth breathe rather than nose breathing and what percentage do upper chest rather than diaphragmatic breathing? Yeah, the stats are really hard to gather. Somewhere between 20 to even 50% of the population is mouth breathing. Now, if people look closely, when you took that breath in through the mouth, your shoulders lifted. Um, so people get like neck and shoulder pain or people find neck and shoulder pain goes away when they start breathing nasally. As you said, they're potentially not getting up to go to the toilet in the middle of the night or, or going to the toilet less. And sometimes their digestion and even sexual function can improve from getting their body into that rest and digest state. Ho, oh, Fred, it improves our sex life. <laughs> people are now really listening. But... I've found myself, Dan, I look at background as a track and field athlete. We never spoke about this mm. back in the 90s and early 2000s. And, you know, when we'd go to the Institute of Sport in Canberra every year for testing and we'd do training, we'd train hard. There was psychology, but it was it, even it's evolved. It's much more now about the performance psychology, linking the physiology. This was foreign to me. And I know a lot of people listening to this will go, yeah, I haven't really stopped to think about how I breathe, can I improve breath work, and then also the type of breathing I do to change state, physical, psychological, emotional, and you would even argue spiritual state. You can either ramp yeah. up, upregulate, or you can relax and calm down, downregulate. I think it is one of the most powerful levers you can possibly think about to help you with your body and brain, yet so many people have not learned this. Yeah, well, a couple of minutes ago, we said, what is breath work, right? And we've been talking nonstop, and we haven't even nearly covered covered the topic thoroughly. Now, the yogis, and you talked about them, started doing sort of, they were sitting meditating maybe five to 8,000 years ago, and their bodies became sore. So they started to move to enable them to meditate more. And, and these ancient yogis were the first people to choose to exercise. So this is the origin of, of exercise, comes back to the ancient yogis, and it was so that they could meditate more. So breath work is very much a meditation for some people. So you, you mentioned a couple of examples. So if we've got people thinking, All right, I now want to breathe through the nose and out through the mouth, 
think about not lifting the shoulders and chest up, but to use the diaphragm and the belly button goes out, mm. that alone will start to create this physiological shift. So let's keep with, let's just do box breathing. And I, I hear this all the yeah. time. Oh, box breathing. Yeah, yeah. Jocko Willink does that in the Navy SEALs. Yeah, that's where we've got box breathing from. Correct. The Navy SEALs have introduced box breathing as part of their syllabus. They do it at BUDS training. But the yogis, well, the Indians have been doing breathing, box breathing for thousands of years. So do you want to take us through the basics of box breathing and people, again, with this tutorial today, part science and a fair bit of practice as well. Just be careful if you're driving, uh, this could make you a little bit weary. So I wouldn't recommend doing this if you're driving on a long drive unless you've practiced it before. Yeah, so that you know, before I give people box breathing, Andrew, I, I like to assess them. Because um, if people are really sensitive to CO2, they're unable to do like your traditional box breath. Now, your traditional box breath is four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold. So we've got that box, um, pretty self-explanatory. If people are really dysfunctional uh, breathers, people that suffered with long COVID, they're unable to do that traditional box style breath. So if if that is too hard for you, you just have to decrease the size of the box. Um, so maybe a two-second two second inhale, two-second hold, two-second exhale. Now, one of the key benefits of breath work or, or functional breathing is breathing slowly. Um, and anywhere between four to ten breaths a minute, there's a lot of different science out there. Um, five and a half breaths a minute is talked about a lot. But, yeah, five or six breaths a minute. So in your in your you know if we're using seconds in your box breathing is it just just a tad under four breaths a minute so you could you could definitely uh, make those boxes a little bit smaller if you really struggle with it and people's box breathing shouldn't be loud and <gasps> you know and and a mouth breath we really want a nice controlled nasal breath. Okay, take, take us through. Let's do the four seconds. So for anyone who has got any respiratory challenges. Cut it back and do two, but let, let's do the four, four, yeah, four, four. We'll do a, a, a general, a general, yeah. So, so relax, sit up nice and tall, and we're going to take a big breath in, not a big breath in, a deep breath in through the nose. So we just want to innovate the diaphragm. So breathing in, two, three, four, and then we're going to hold at the top, two, three, four. Then control the exhale, two, three, four, and then hold at the bottom. And this is the hard part. Three, four, that's one round. And again, inhale and hold. And exhale and hold. Really nice. Now breathe in a little quieter this time. And hold. And exhale a little bit slower. And hold. And notice how your body feels. We'll do one more round. Inhale. And hold and exhale and hold. The thing I love about breathing is it's really tangible. And if people do have the opportunity to do breath work lying down, I really encourage them to do it because it takes the diaphragm is also a core muscle. And when you're when you're sprinting, doing a hundred meter sprint, you engage your diaphragm as a muscle. So you're unable to breathe diaphragmatically while you're doing that. But um yeah, if people can lie down, it just relaxes the shoulder and the spine and puts us in a really nice position. And 
enables the diaphragm just to focus on, as you said, pulling down, bringing that air into the body that we utilize and, and draw oxygen out. And then we um, expel CO2, which is a byproduct on a cellular level from, from energy. What I've found is doing this myself and teaching, because, you know, when you teach, you've got to go deeper yourself on the learning and the practice. This is a lever that I have in my toolkit that I use on a regular basis. I haven't told you this. About a month ago, I was in America presenting to the biggest audience I've ever presented. It was 6,000 plus people in Las Vegas, launch of a big sort of kickoff for a global software company. 45 minutes before going on, I didn't just feel nervous. I started to feel low-level anxiety. And you know me, I often run these stupid experiments on myself in, in our own physiology lab, which you do, you get me. And I pushed it and I, want, I wanted to feel what it was like again to really be uncomfortable, to clamp up, to have your brain go, shit, am I going to forget my words? I've never spoken like this. And I went long enough, but then I pulled it back because I thought, I've got to get my shit together because I've got 6,000 plus people who don't want me to run a physiological, which leads to a psychological experiment. And I knew I had this in my back pocket, Dino. And I went into the toilet, didn't need to do anything. And I just sat down in the cubicle and I got it back together. I got the breathing back. And what I teach on mental skills is an activity like this, you've got to practice in a non-pressurized environment. And then you front load that for when you need it. So I, I, I knew I could draw on it because I've practiced it. And I can't stress enough for people listening or people watching this. It's a core skill that box breathing or even just diaphragmatic breathing. And I went from shit, 6,000 people. What if I stuff up? What if the 22 different languages this is interpreted into don't understand my stupid Australian jokes? What if I talk too fast, too much sport, blah, blah. And it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I changed my state, that performance intelligence Dr. Tom and I speak about. This has saved me from some monumental disasters, Dino. I cannot emphasize enough just that whole ability to down-regulate when you need to. And then I got myself back into a state, which you mentioned the inverted U, Yerkes-Dodson inverted U hypothesis. And then I was back in that sweet spot where I was nervous, but I was controlling my nerves, leveraging, not being overrun by them. Such a powerful skill. I've got a question for you. Before you had to get up and speak, were there lots of people talking to you? Were you busy? It's It's a good one. No, because I control that environment. You control and that. And they, they wanted to put me in the front row with the global president, the Asia-Pacific president, the head of marketing. I said, can I ask to sit over on the side just because I want to sit there and be relaxed? Because I know when I'm there in front of everyone, you're feeding off their energy. But what, what is it? it's a great question because an hour – I got there an hour before we started, which is a lot longer than normal, but they wanted to just do a rehearsal and starting to see everyone come in. And then I could feel myself running. It's just the the magnitude of the stage and I was up the back and up the back, you can't see the person, you just see the screen. So it was really, it was a stretch outside of my comfort zone and great, right? Like if we're working with athletes, you've got to put yourself under pressure every now and then. But I controlled the breathing, got my brain back in, my self-talk, and then I controlled the environment. It's another important one. So I sat on the side so then I could just relax before going on stage. So it's really important what you just said, and, and I'll, I'll re- if people missed it, um, what Andrew's done, he's gone into the toilet where he doesn't have to talk to people. 
Because when you're talking to people, you're actually mouth breathing. And again, it's not um, one mouth breath is going to stress us out, but we're not getting to downregulate. So Andrew's gone into the toilet to down to hide from people and just focus his slow down and in place where he's not busy before his speech. So it's well done, mate. You that's they're my tips to people, and you're doing it intuitively. Well, I'm glad I did because it could have been a disaster <laughs> and you get your know, stamp never to again. That's downregulate. Talk to me about upregulate because this is something I've also started to learn more in the past couple of years. I'll give an example. You're listening to this and you've got to do a presentation. You're an athlete listening to this or you're a weekend warrior, you're about to perform or you're going on a date and you're feeling really tired and fatigued. How can you use breath work to upregulate and have you more alert, have your body working rather than being tired and seabed and fatigued? Yeah, well, I guess that, that that's how I discovered the Wim Hof method, maybe in 2017 or 2016. I was feeling sluggish. I was feeling flat. And I now attribute this partly to my mouth breathing at night, just chronically over time. And after doing some Wim Hof breathing, <laughs> my energy would lift. Um, and I'd jump in the cold shower at, at the end as well. And after like pumping up and, and upregulating my body, I would feel amazing. I would really feel a 20, 30% energy shift for the, for the rest of the day. Yeah, it was a real game changer for me and really, really made me fascinated more in, you know, I was already interested in the nervous system, but it was such a powerful tool where people could tangibly feel the difference within minutes. So we've done the box breathing, we felt the difference and you did the contrast between the short, shallow breathing and then the diaphragmatic relaxed breathing. Give us an example now, the Wim Hof breathing, teach us that. Yeah, so when I cue people in superventilation, um, the goal is a little bit the opposite to functional breathing. Um, it is we're trying to bring in a greater volume of air. So obviously we want, we want to teach people to do it functionally. So, so nasal breathing is optimal, although mouth breathing works as, as well. And we're creating a little bit of a stress on the body. And as we know from that inverted uh dodskin curve or, or a hormetic stressor or, or, or the Goldilocks principle, we're trying to find that that just right stress where the body will respond positively to. But um, when I'm cueing people to superventilate or do the Wim Hof method, I'm cueing a big breath in for four or five and then letting go for two or three. So we're breathing through the nose? Yeah, in, I, I like to get... I tell people you can't actually sort of do it wrong or not to worry about doing it wrong, but it's a circular rhythmic diaphragmatic breath and we're just moving a volume of air through the body. And this focus on, on the breathing is also meditative and it brings some changes in the body pretty quickly. So we're blowing out CO2, which makes the blood more alkaline and it changes the blood flow to the brain. It can make us feel lightheaded. So you certainly don't wanna do this while you're listening, while you're driving a car or operating machinery. And again, you don't go in the water immediately afterwards. There is a very small chance of passing out, which is perfectly okay whilst you're lying down or even sitting in a, in a comfortable position. Okay, take us through 30 minutes and the post-production wizard can put some music, but give us 30 minutes of this so our, our listeners, watchers can experience this, the practical side. Yeah, 30 breaths? Hmm. Oh, 30 seconds. 30 seconds, yeah. Okay, well, all together, really big breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. Close the eyes, keep breathing, keep finding that circular breath. 
If you've got your hands on your body, you might feel the belly, side ribs, top of the chest, and then let go through the mouth. So, so breathing fully in and then let, letting go. Circular, rhythmic, diaphragmatic breath. Focus on the inhale and expansion. Relax and let go. So we'll do 10 more together. Let's do 10 faster ones to finish. And one really big breath at the end. Let go. And then you'll hold your breath. So you'll come into a little mini breath retention and there'll be no need to breathe because we've just over-breathed. And we've stimulated that sort of fight or flight response or the, the sympathetic nervous system. And when we hold our breath, the body comes back into balance. So this is where the parasympathetic nervous system comes into balance. And some people will naturally maybe still be holding their breath. And you'll hold your breath to that first urge or desire to breathe come back, comes back in and you'll um, maybe begin to breathe normally again in and out through the nose in a nice functional style. But over continuous rounds of superventilation, Kabbalah Bhati, Breath of Fire or, or Bestrika or, or Wim Hof or some of the holotropic and rebirthing styles are more of a continuous breathing. They, they don't have the breaks, but the body comes in and out of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And, and in my experience, I've seen people find levels of relaxation that they've never experienced before. And that's what I really love about this technique because that brings them into um, the beauty of box breathing because they, they don't feel it before. And once they do a fast breathing technique, they understand or feel how powerful it is. So if you, if you think about breath work, if we just frame this on that Yerkes Dotson inverted U model, and, and we teach our athletes this, if you're feeling over aroused, you know, too excited, do the slow diaphragmatic breathing to chill, you know, add some ice. But if you're feeling a bit tired, fatigued, and you need to ramp yourself up, do that fire breath, so add some fire. And even after doing that, Wiz, did you practice that or are you busy taking notes and watching? I feel the shift and I feel it quicker now that I've done this. So I knew where you were taking us, but it's just a nice natural, it's not the buzz you get when you have caffeine, coffee, but you feel alert but relaxed at the same time. Yeah, it's an amazing sensation, isn't it? You know, if we link it back to me being assaulted, I was searching to understand my nervous system. And this is why I'm so passionate about breathwork now, because as you just said, it's the quickest, easiest way to tap in to your nervous system. And we can upregulate it or, or downregulate it in, in seconds. You have to be passionate to wear Speedos and climb a mountain in Poland. <laughs> you did that in 2018 uh, in sub-zero conditions with Wim Hof, the Iceman, and a bunch of other people wearing only board shorts. In fact, you didn't wear board shorts. You wore your Bondi Rescue Speedos. Love your work, Dino. You were quoted saying, if I survive, I have conquered a fear way past my comfort zone, and I'll look forward to sharing Wim's techniques and science with you. Well, you did survive, and you do share this. So talk to us a little bit about Wim Hof, because... I think nearly everyone around the world knows Wim now, the Iceman, his story or the genesis, his wife committed suicide. Is that right? His first wife committed yeah. suicide. He found himself in such That's a correct. dark place that he thought, I've got to go and do something because the medication wasn't working. I think the self-medication wasn't working. Do you want to pick up the story? Yeah. So I guess, you know, I shared a dark story and, you know, and it, it led me to to the light potentially. And Wim's story is is particularly dark. His wife threw herself off after after years of battling, threw herself out of an eight-story window and left him with four young kids. And um, things were dire, things were dark. 
And he ended up doing that style of breathing that we just practiced in the icy cold water and then holding his head underwater for a significant amount of time. Now, we don't recommend that you do that, but that's what that's what Wim did. And he started to, uh, I guess, gain control of his emotions and feelings. Yeah, we, we look at the, his bio. His nickname is the Iceman. And he achieved this nickname by breaking a number of records related to cold exposure. These include climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in shorts, which is a bloody freezing, crazy, running a half marathon above the Arctic Circle barefoot. Now, most people would get that and probably you know, have toes fall off. And he also stood in a container while covered with ice cubes for more than 112 minutes. Now, Dino, when we do our cold water therapy immersions with corporates or with athletes, we go two minutes, right? We get the temperature down to one or two degrees. He went 112 minutes. Now, on ice work, and, and the, the, the title of this we've called you know, The Science of Breathwork and the Art of Ice Therapy or Art of Cold Water Therapy, because the research either hasn't been going long enough or is not validated enough. So I just want to park that, the research around this, because it's there's not a lot of research. So when I asked Dr. Tom Buckley, who's the research director at our Strive Stronger Research Institute, Dr. Tom said, note, I didn't find any studies or research on CWT, cold water therapy, alone, except what was sent through in a meta-analysis that he had from Sydney University. And there's the literature review talking about the science and the rationale is not clear. There are no real guidelines for its use. Another systematic review on PubMed, the conclusions show evidence indicates the application of cold and heat therapy within one hour after exercise could, could effectively reduce the pain. Goes on and on and on, but more high quality studies are needed. There's multiple touch points. So, Dino, I don't know whether the science hasn't yet caught up or whether it's more of a shift in state that makes people feel good. But let's park that because Dr. Tom and I are going to double click on that and do a real deep dive on what science there is or isn't about cold water. But I want to talk about the practical. Yeah, I've, got, I've got some stuff to, to flick you as well. I've got some, um, there's some interesting stuff on, on tumour regression in rats with, with cold water therapy and some stuff that we can't quite say exactly um, what's going on. But brown fat activation is, is, really, is really quite an interesting topic. But I'll flick that through to you guys and, and maybe point you in the right direction because I, I spend a bit of time investigating that. You must get that a lot as well because it's, it's just it's so robust on breath work. And, and again, it's been you know, thousands of years. Sometimes we go, well, where's the research? Well, <laughs> they've been doing it for seven or 8,000 years, right? Yeah. So there's, there's some rationale behind that. I was going to say, the study that put Wim Hof on the map um, was the Rathburn University study, and they injected him with an endotoxin. Um, and whilst he um, accredits cold therapy to getting people more in touch with their own body, during the study, people mainly did breath work. So they were injected with the endotoxin and then they did the breathing, similar to what we did before. But for people before the study, he took them up to the mountain in Poland for between four and 10 days and and got them in touch with their nervous system, doing some cold therapy. But it's just, it's harder to quantify sometimes the the science. And and I think it will come out. And um, yeah, there is more and more science coming out because there's a a fair amount of interest in cold therapy at the moment. Let me tell you. Oh, there's heaps. And also, I'm saying let's park it now because we could talk about that for hours and and we'll get Tom to really do a deep dive and we'll come up with a balanced view on that. N equals one, Dino, which is me. I've taught 
cold water therapy to loads of clients. I've taught it to sporting teams. You've helped me do that. I've taught it to large events as well. Now, underscore, you've got to make sure there's no cardiac or heart conditions on this as well. So cold water therapy yeah. with a pre-existing heart condition, it, it can cause complications. So we always screen people for that. So anyone listening or watching, yeah. if you have any heart complications, and if you're not sure and you are puffing or you felt dizzy, go get a full medical before you start this. Okay, I just want to put yeah. the disclaimer. But but for me, I, I have regular cold showers. I swim throughout winter and all I wear is Speedos and you know, goggles. I did a relay swim of the English Channel a number of years ago. That's where I really went deep on this, Dana, because I was getting just freezing hypothermia when we're going down south coast swimming around Huskisson. And, and I just found a lot of the breath work before I'd go in, also changing my mindset, it just it, – it, is it science? Is it internal dialogue? Is it the breath work? Is it a combination of everything? Probably. But I went from thinking, I'm not going to survive this swim to actually enjoying it. Now that I, I, I build it in, it's part of my, not even weekly, but part of my daily practice. So I'm, I'm a big believer in the way it makes me feel, even if there's not a lot of science to back it up. So for me, yeah, cold water therapy is a big part of my practice. Yeah, well, we see people, it changes lives. I see people, you know, they come to my house every week and I run them through sessions. But what you said was interesting, you know, your mindset changed and there's a lot of science on the placebo effect and, and maybe Dr. Tom can delve into that. Well, 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 I was sitting there thinking, fuck, I know it's going to be cold. I know it's going to be cold. The sand's cold. Fuck, it's dark. Oh, I'm talking myself out of it. And then you get in there, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. What I now say is cold water's my friend. This is good for me. I love the feeling I get when I get out. So I actually use a lot more of that positive self-talk. Realistic. I don't go, oh, this is warm. Cold water makes me feel. It doesn't. That's just ridiculous. But I really do have a narrative or an inner dialogue before I go into the cold in the middle of winter. And I also like getting myself out of the comfort zone. Dr. Tom and I talk about this, you do as well. We've cocooned the way we live now. We live on this thermostatic life, you know. We have air conditioner pumping the whole time. We have heaters throughout winter. So we don't get this range anymore between our heat, between cold and hot. And, you know, life should be an extreme sport. You should fast, you should eat food, you should lift weights, you should recover, and you should have stress, you should chill out and sleep. We've lost this range, and that's what I think cold water does. It really brings in that, that, that stress or that, you know, thermostatic, that hormesis stress, I think it's great. Yeah, and, and and I believe that's a big part of the science. We've become too comfortable. We're not getting uncomfortable. And, and humans have evolved. It's only the last, I think, 100 years that hot water's been readily available. Before that, humans used to wash in cold water for millions and millions of years so so nothing um, this is nothing yeah. new so we're all out there banging on about cold water and and ancestors from hundreds of years ago <laughs> when you're on a farm and you don't have hot water or electricity we've been doing this shit every day yeah but is, you know the intent the mindset is very important and they've done some studies on this as well with with animals but choosing deliberately to do something as opposed to being forced into doing something is very different. Now, the Wim Hof method is basically controlled hyperventilation. So hyperventilation is bad for the body. Doing the controlled superventilation or hyperventilation is good for the body. So it's that that mindset is an important part of it. When you're introducing someone to cold water therapy, do you start 
with the progression I made, you would say start with cold showers, then move to swimming in the ocean or jumping in a lake, then moving to ice baths. How do you teach the progression? Yeah, so about a week out before event, I suggest that people may want to jump in, do some cold showers before before the course. But amazingly now, it's, it is so common. There is people running ice bath sessions all over the place, which is which is really cool for me to see. So people have experienced it and um, and maybe want a regular practice. That's what I'm seeing more and more often because there's all these recovery centres and all these places popping up where people can just go and have an ice bath. So how often do you do ice bath? Yeah, so, you know, talking to science, um, the, the some of the recommendations from Dr. Susanna Soberg, she's recommending 11 minutes per week of cold therapy for, as a minimal effective dose. Um, but what we talked about earlier was changing people's mindset. Okay, just 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 on the Soberg info, and Huberman's recently picked up on that too, right, Dr. Andrew Huberman, on the Huberman podcast. So that's 11 minutes minimum effective dose per week. Now, is that 11 minutes of cold water showers? Because what's a cold water shower in Australia, East Coast, you're not going to get below 17 or 18 degrees. If you go down south, you might get really cold around 9 or 10 degrees. Is that what we're talking about? Or do you stack up a cold shower plus an ice bath? What is, what is that 11 minutes when you look at that in, in detail? Yeah, it's it's tricky and it's and it's different for for different people, right? It's um yeah, the age, sex, weight, there's a whole range of um things that contribute it to. So it's 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 not it's not a black and white answer, but we're looking to get people into 16 to 18 degrees water and maybe like you could think about it like exercise, Andrew. We want maybe 2 or 3 minutes more intense ice bath. And then you've got your other sessions, which might be, be just walking, where you actually just have a quick cold 15, 20 second cold shower at the end. And then, you know, as we we're talking about earlier, understanding that the cold is not going to make us sick and it's actually good for us in the right dose and the body's going to respond positively too. So um, when I'm, I ride a little scooter, a lot of people do in Bondi, all the lifeguards do because it's, um, it's the quickest way to get to work. And I used to pack jackets and gloves and all that stuff in my scooter. Now I don't anymore. And if I ride home and I get cold on the ride home, I don't stress about it. I don't worry about it. I know I'll be warm when I get home. And I actually believe it strengthens my immune system. So it's getting people to change their mindset. So a little bit of cold exposure, going for a power walk with not a jumper on, um, that's going to help strengthen the immune system as well. Maybe an ice bath, maybe some cold showers, maybe a cold swim. So it's just mixing up that that cold exposure. Okay, so if you're listening to this, 11 minutes combination is what Dino's saying between cold shower, between swimming in the ocean. I, I find swimming in the ocean, if I'm swimming for 30 or 40 minutes in winter, when it is like if, if you get down to that 16, 17, or if you get down into, if you ever do below that, it's a buzz yeah, uh, you, you feel yeah. a buzz. I think you get in this different state. So again, is it science? Is it just that physiological shift? I'm not sure. But it makes you feel good, Dino. So if we take 11 minutes for everyone listening, try and accumulate 11 minutes of combined cold. But if you haven't started this, a really good way to start is in the shower. And get in the shower, start warm, and then get it down to lukewarm 
do the breathing that we did, like the diaphragmatic breathing. We'll also at the end give a, a bunch of links to get resources so you can learn a lot more about Dino and the breath work because we, we've really just covered the tip of the iceberg today, Dino. But I find doing that relaxed breathing, then I can go cold. Uh, then you relax. Whereas a lot of people, if they're in the warm shower and they go cold, <laughs> it's a real shock. So breathe into it. That's a really good way to yeah. start the practice. Then I would encourage Brilliant. you. Well, you want to come to the nasal breath, right? If you can, because mm. it's going to slow the breath down. So I do and box, box breathing. I just relax. Yeah, box and, breathing's a nasal breath. Yeah. But then now I find I can just go cold because I'm used to it. So you obviously, yeah. you, you increase the dose, you get used to it over time. A quick thought for people that are interested in finding their edge, if you start to shiver, that's called the shiver response. That's a good thing. That would be sort of finding a little edge where you've got cold, you've started to shiver. And shivering may stimulate brown fat production, and that's a good thing and, and potentially something for, for you and Dr. Tom to dive into. But, yeah, the shivering response is, is what um, what we're looking to get people to, and, and you'll find that'll move and, and it may differentiate if, if you're swimming or if you're walking or if you're in the ice bath. It's going to happen under um, different time periods. If you build all this up, Look at your story, the evolution, getting knocked out rather than becoming a victim. You use that to really understand your nervous system and to take control of that regulation. You started practicing this. You built upon what you've done as a, as a swimmer, as an athlete, working with athletes, working with corporates, went deep on breath work where there's a lot of science around it. Looking at cold water therapy, has the science caught up? Is it not there? We don't know, but we are advocating if you don't have a heart condition, absolutely try this. 11 minutes seems like it's the minimum effective dose. All right, big fella, wrap it all together. When you teach this, when we do a program, the culmination of this and what the science says loud and clear, when you combine breath work with cold water therapy, some wonderful things happen to body and brain. Mm, people feel alive. People feel their own bodies more. You know, it can reset insulin sensitivity. You know, it can improve awareness. It, it is different for everyone, but it's it's such a beautiful practice. There's some some interesting science going on about addictions, um, how cold water therapy and breath work can really help there. But it's you, you know sleeping better, seeing seeing couples sleep in the same bedroom, like seeing people get off medication, and bringing bringing people into the power of natural medicine is, is really empowering for me. And I guess I get to empower other people, and and I'm really grateful for that opportunity. I've seen you teach multiple times small groups, large groups. I've seen you teach online. I've seen you teach live. You come alive when you do this. I, I know you love seeing that shift in people. I know you love seeing people when they embrace this coming back. Oh, Dino, this has helped everything. You mentioned from sex life to relationships to being able to regulate stress to whether it's mental clarity, a mm. whole bunch of reasons. When you roll this together, what's a practice that people can do on a regular basis? Again, if you're using cold water therapy, underscore, make sure you have a very yeah. healthy heart. What would it look like? What would you, or what, what would you, at the end of one of your programs, an online program, when you get people at one of the beautiful beaches in Sydney to sit in the ice water after a, a whole breathing program, talk us through what could a regular practice look like for someone to combine this? Um, I'll give you two. If people are feeling a bit sluggish, if they're not sleeping well, you want to get up in the morning, clean your teeth, jump back into bed and do a couple of rounds of fast breathing. We want to create some energy. We want to get you going so you can win the day. 
after five to 10 minutes of fast breathing, and there's some great guided stuff online, jump in the cold shower. 10 to 12 minute practice really upregulates, get you, gets you moving, gets you going. For people that are maybe sleeping a little bit better, but are, are, are a little bit more chronically stressed potentially and really struggling with a little bit of stress and a little bit of anxiety, super common. I get it. You talked about it before. Um, it's that slow breathing practice, five to 10 minutes, trying to make time. Lying down is preferable if you can and just and just closing your eyes and focusing on the breath, a breathing meditation. And again, there's lots of lots of great resources out there. So you've got the upregulate if you're waking up feeling tired to, to do that Wim Hof type breathing. Yep. I find breath work for me, Dino, and for a lot of people I coach, especially a lot of the execs, the founders are always in their heads. That breath work at night, whether you use an app like Calm, there's a bunch of apps, or whether you just start to train yourself on this. When my head's running a million miles an hour, I find at the end of the day, it's good to do an activity to downregulate, to bring the parasympathetic activation, to shift my brainwaves from beta to going alpha, which is that drop in brainwave intensity. I agree at the start of the day or before a performance moment, if I'm a bit tired, maybe need to upregulate, especially now we're back traveling. I find when you're jumping in between time zones, Mm. this works beautifully to upregulate as well as downregulate. Mate, such a good tip. You're onto it. You're, you know, you're, you're changing lives. I've seen it. I've witnessed it firsthand. I've seen huge crowds cheer and um, organizations change their habits. So yeah, it, it's great to work with you. But yeah, brilliant tip. Like downregulating before bed is going to improve sleep. It's going to, you know, the way we affect, affect our unconscious breathing is through is through practice, sets and reps, right? Mm. And I, I landed back from LA yesterday. So at the time of recording this, it's Monday. Sunday morning yesterday, I did this. I'm just unpacking it as I'm talking to you, Dana, without even consciously doing it. It's just part of my practice now. Took my son Arch with me. Tell you what, anyone listening to this, if you ever complain about corporate travel, take an 11-year-old and look at travel through their eyes. We landed in LA and he went, yes, Dad, I can't wait to walk on US soil. Everything was an adventure, Dana. It was just awesome, actually, Mm, that the wonder of life seen through an 11-year-old. But then we got back yesterday and then met the rest of my kids. When you got four of them, it's a, yeah, it's a big military exercise to go out to Brecky. But Tony and I took the kids out. I made sure we sat in the sun. We then went down to Balmoral. I did an ocean swim for 30 minutes. I had a little nap that afternoon, but really what I did is I just did some breathing and, and regulated. And so I didn't sleep a lot, but I wanted to relax in the middle of the day because I felt sluggish. And then last night, mate, I crashed about 9.30 up this morning. Dr. Tom said in our meeting, he said, you're not even tired and yawning. I said, well, I've put everything, Dr. Tom, you've taught me about Moridi and human factors and Dino Gladstone with all the work on breathing and also being an athlete for years and working with people. It really does work. So you know, I'm back today running without missing a beat. And that's not boasting. That's just an example that, gosh, 10, 15 years ago, when I first started traveling a lot internationally, first time a lot of it for me was with the Australian cricket team. In 2005, I spent over 300 nights away from my own bed, Dino. And I got trips all around the world, multiple time zones. And it was just starting. 2020 was just trial at the moment at that stage, but it was still one day is test match. And when you're moving time zones, it really wrecks you. Australia, New Zealand's not that bad, but when you go from Australia to UK and then you go back via 
you know, you're stopping around uh, Middle East or around that area, then back. It, it was all over the place anyway. By the end of that year, I was wrecked. So I had to learn about this. So I, I've been there when you're tired and fatigued and I wasn't doing this. And I just now put it into practice and it, it does work. I can hit the ground running. I felt a bit sluggish yesterday, but that breathing, a bit of exercise, good food, didn't have alcohol last night. I just woken up this morning. So hand on my heart, I do this now because I know I can push hard, but I can also adapt. And then, you know, your kids don't give us stuff. Well, Archie was with me, but the other three are like, well, bastard, Archie was with you. What about us? So, yeah, I've got I to, hope you bought them presents. I bought them presents, but we've now got a plan out that Michaela's going to go somewhere with mm. me and Sophia and Millie are too young. I could take them anywhere mm. and tell them it's, you know, we're in Tokyo. <laughs> Just, uh, but I will, I, I'm going to start doing that with the kids on experiences. But anyway, the point, you can push hard at work and you can still, hopefully, my family would say that I'm connected at home because of this work. It, it's really powerful. Yeah. And again, that's you being in touch with your nervous system, right? Breath work's a part of it. Um, sleep is a huge part of it, you know, diet, nutrition, um, you know, even your internal happiness, right? And you're wanting to include your family, which is about connection. It's, yeah, breath work's just a, a part of all that, but we we all breathe and, yeah, it's a beautiful way to connect with people and, and such a good story. And, you know, you're so positive and it's, it's clear to see why you're doing so well. I think it's nervous system and what's come out of talking to you today, Dino, it's been really nice to go deeper on this. We've worked together. One of the the joys of doing a podcast is you talk to people, some you have no idea about, but you know of them and you go deeper, some you know really well and you can find out more about them. But the dance today has been between body and brain, whether it's breath work or ice work or you know, just a conscious awareness about being in nature. Yeah, it is about body and, and regulating the physiology, but it's the storytelling. And this goes right back to the story you could have told yourself is, yeah, I've been king hit, life's unfair, it's shit, he did this. That could have become the narrative that played for you every single day. Yeah, you've got to choose, uh, choose, to, uh, choose to change, choose to be better, choose to rebuild. So looking at the crystal ball, what are you excited about for the next go the next few years? What 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 are you going to be focusing on? What are you wanting to learn? Where are you wanting to take all this? Because mm. I'll, I'll I'll put it back like you you've, you've been very complimentary. Thank you about the work you've seen me do. But mate, you, you've so I I have people when you've seen a PwC in big audiences who go, oh yeah, I really enjoyed that. You have disciples. <laughs> the people that come to your events, they, they you could throw rose petals and they just follow you. So it, there's, there's a really deep connection you make when you do this work with people. Mm. So yeah, where are you going the next few years? So what, what I've created recently, which is keeping me really busy, and I've had multiple people, multiple people ask me to do it, is an ice bath instructor certificate. So I was seeing people do this poorly, recklessly even, and, and dangerously, and I don't want anyone to get hurt. I'm really passionate about natural modalities because, you know, after my assault, I bounced around from doctor to doctor and, you know, they offered me anti-anxiety medication. I had sleeping pills and it, it just didn't work for me. So I ended up with a natural health guy and, and we re rebuilt the body and, and we used a number of natural modalities, you know, diet, nutrition, breathing. 
hydration. And yeah, so I'm super passionate about natural modalities and, and being a trainer and a coach, it's it's just getting people on these healthy habits that, that change lives. So um, the breath and the ice is, is really a game changer for people. Um, it empowers people once they do something they didn't think was possible. It, it opens up a whole new realm of opportunities for them. And this is beautiful for me to see. And um, people share the most, the most grateful, the most, yeah, fantastic stories about how I've changed their life. And it's, it's an honor. And I, I don't feel that I, that I've done that much. So yeah, training others to help people because people are asking me to be everywhere and, and I can't do it. You light up when you talk about that. Like you've, you've, you go a different intensity when you talk about creating that product or creating that program to help others. And I know that's leverage, right? Because everyone's saying, Dino, I want you here. I want you there. So I love seeing that you're now working on how to get Dino out there, whether it's digital or whether it's other coaching programs. Because, you know, we've talked about the science a lot, but one of the things science struggles to validate is actually holding space. And this is something you do really well. I've seen you get an audience of 700 people whipped up and I've seen you create energy. And that's that's a part of what I do. So I, that's why I love working with you because breath work is about energy. Well, talk to me about group flow. So flow, the original term, Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, the wonderful Hungarian psychologist who speaks about when you're in that moment or that state where time transcends and you're fully present. A lot of the research and you know, studying sports science and then shifting to coaching psych, we talk about flow for the individual, but there's a collective flow. You have collective flow. Wizard, you have this when you're at uh, watching the Western Wanderers. Thomas has hardly got a voice today because he was where, – where did you watch them? Was it Parramatta Stadium? Saturday night, you're going, <laughs> Thomas and all of his Western Wanderer mates. Am I allowed to say Bogan, mates? I'm from Dubbo, of course I can. I'm a Bogan. Just roaring and yelling obscenities. If you want to see you know, some harsh commentary, don't go to rugby league. Go to Australian soccer match, right? But there's this group flow. When you're at a concert, when you're watching your favourite entertainer and everyone's up singing and there's this feeling of just this connectivity that's group flow you get it when you do breath work and and also i so have you dug into this much or what what, what have you yes learned around i found life? the polyvagal theory stuff you know without getting too deep and i'm not an expert on the polyvagal theory but there's certain cranial nerves that are linked to us feeling safe our hearing our our eyesight our smell and i'm not actually articulating exactly what they are but if you don't feel feel safe. If your hearing's out, it's going to change your whole body and you're not going to feel safe and comfortable, pretty much like arthritis assaulted. So if we can get people in an environment where they feel safe and comfortable, where we're talking to them by name, potentially maybe they're saying hello, they're, they're meeting new people, we're explaining, you know, the simple stuff where, where the toilet is, you're getting people relaxing. We're getting them to down-regulate. And then when we bring the flow-inducing exercises like breath work in, they're already at a state where they're more open to it. They're um, yeah, more open or more ready to, to step into flow or, or they'll step into flow longer. So, yeah, I found some interesting stuff on, on the polyvagal theory. And, and again, it comes back to nervous system regulation. Said that across, I'd really like to go a bit deeper on that because I've been thinking mm. more about this, Dana, on that group flow. And... I really like. I, I don't know if if you ask me, how do you create it? I I couldn't say one, two, three, but I know you do it intuitively. It's intuitive, so I would like to learn yeah. more. I, th I think if I sort of unpacked it, I could go. Yeah, there are a few areas, but yeah, send that through. I'd love to 
to look at that but, and go a bit you deeper. know great leaders do some of these things intuitively like you went to the toilet intuitively to get away from people so you could focus on your breath like without maybe knowing exactly why but you're doing people are doing some of this in stuff intuitively and i guess science is starting to quantify what yogis and what what successful people are doing yeah and it is that balance of it, and i want to be really clear on that don't always just go where's the science i only do what the science is dr tom and i have a relationship he says that i'm very intuitive and i've taught him a lot of practices and then he goes deep on and sees their science there but i'm more like you i'm visceral i sort of more feel it and then add the science so i, I probably have a bit of a dance between the two now Hey, last question, and this can be a flip. Is there a question that I haven't asked you that you really want me to ask you, or do you want to flip it and do you want to ask me a question? Oh, um, we haven't talked much about Bondi Rescue, so I quickly wanted to make that Take me back to the – I love that song. Back. Yeah, Thirsty Merc. Because that that's, again, connected to the breathwork stuff that I do. When people get into trouble, they panic, they go into fight or flight, they lose control of their breath and you know if if there's not lifeguards there they can potentially drown or die now you know it's it's very much linked to nervous system regulation and you know helping people you know change save lives um what i'm doing now as a breathwork coach i see um an evolution of of changing and helping people and i guess yeah, I'm really grateful to have the experience of being a lifeguard. And again, you know, university or other jobs weren't an option, but I ended up in a career where I was able to help people. I see you help people and I see, you know, you see my face light up and I get a buzz from it. So I'm really, really, I guess, grateful for the opportunities and the experience that I've had. Yeah. is what Do you like help? Do you know that you love helping people? Is that what drives you, Andrew? Yeah, I do. I, I've always loved it, even when I was a young athlete. I was coaching when I was 13, 14, running and then coaching. And I've always liked the balance between having to do some work myself, you know, like like you, being the swimmer, being the athlete for me as well, and then teaching. And again, my experience, when you put it into theory, try it yourself, I feel like I'm a better teacher when I add some science. So yeah, for me, it's the dance between the two. I, I love doing it myself. I love pushing myself. I love challenging myself. It lights me up though, and that's why I love the connection with you because it's genuine. When you talk about helping others, I can see your teeth, and they did a really good job, Dino, because they don't look like they've been stuck in there at all, champ. Uh, <laughs> but I see the pearly whites light up, and yeah, it's why we do what we do. And yeah, when I when I think of you, the red thread. If you consciously wanted to design a career, you could have not have done this the way it's happened. But it, it's it's. You know, the water has flown the way, if you listen to the yogis, the way it is meant to flow for you from being a really good athlete, from having asthma, from the king hit to really digging deep. And that, that would have been a really tough period of your time to then going, hey, this can be my story, define me, or this can be part of my story and I'll learn from it, which you did. And the practice and the Bondi rescue and the work you're doing in sport and corporate has all got you to where you are. And I'm excited to see this space evolve. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Look forward to uh, continuing to work together. One one of the thing we need for those who are listening going, I want more Dino, whether it's a live program and online, where is the best place to find you? Yeah, I've got a website, um, dinagladson.com. Um, you can email me or Instagram. I, I seem to be on Instagram quite a bit. It seems to be super popular and a, and a great way for me to connect for people. I've got a more breathwork specific page, Power of the Breath. 
which, um, yeah, I, I don't quite have as many followers, but I do get a lot of engagement, particularly at the moment. So, power, yeah, I'm running. www.powerofthebreath.com. No, I've just got, I had two websites and it got confusing, mate. It was it was all too much. So it's it's all under dinogladstone.com. And then I, I've got a couple of Instagram pages. Um, yeah, I'm trying to sort of, one of my problems at the moment is trying to manage admin and, and this part of my life because I'm, you know, I, I want to be out there helping people, um, teaching people and training people, not not responding to emails and, and organising websites and posting stuff, posting mouth tape out. But yeah, it's it's all part of the journey and I'm learning that. But yeah, if you if you Google Dino Gladstone, there's there's multiple ways to contact me and. Um, yeah, email and Instagram and the website will get you there. Awesome, mate. Thank you. Thank you for your time today and thank you. I've learned a lot from you. I'm, I'm really excited about continuing to watch your evolution and, and, and also learning because I I put a lot of your learnings into practice. So big thanks all around. Yeah, mate. It's, well, that's, you know, if you're not continually learning, then, then what's going on, right? And um, yeah, same goes for you, mate. Thank you. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM Edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.